0: Welcome to LTN Rewind, where we take a classic episode from the archives of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network and bring it to you fresh on Monday nights here on LTN Radio exclusively. And tonight, we're diving back to May of this year for the most recent episode of Humans of Gaming, hosted by Chris Gwaltney and Drew Dixon. And this features April Lynn Coette. They're going to be talking about the facets of love thy nerds mission to bring hope and love to the varied nerd cultures it is a kind of insider baseball episode all you know higher ups here at the love thy nerd community really talking about how this stuff works it's a conversation you definitely don't want to miss so without any further ado let's dive right in
1: This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief.
2: Welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm Drew Dixon. I'm the Chief Content Nerd at Love Thy Nerd and I'm joined as always with Chris Gwaltney. By Chris Gwaltney. Joined by Chris Gwaltney.
1: Joined by Chris. (laughs) Joined and Chris Gwaltney. Hey, I'm Chris. (laughs) I'm the Chief Executive Nerd with Love Thy Nerd and this is Humans of Gaming um, where we have people that are in the games industry, either video games or board games or otherwise. And just talk to about their life and who they are as people and get to know them a little bit so that you can get to know them a little bit. And hopefully that creates some empathy and compassion and honestly just genuine love for this culture and the people that are in it. So today's pretty cool because I mean, maybe it seems a little self-serving, but <laughs> we have April Lynn, who is one of our founders with Love Thy Nerd and is on staff with us doing tons of different stuff mm-hmm. and we got to chat with her and get to know her a little bit more today.
2: It's also cool. Cause like, I think sometimes we, the people we know the best, sometimes we just assume we know things about them that we don't actually know because we haven't dug deep enough. So it was cool for me to just learn even more about her story and where she comes from and how, how she thinks because April is like a really close friend of, of mm-hmm. mine and yours, both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I think there's like a lesson there for us all, I think probably about just don't assume you know things yeah. about the people even like super close to you.
1: So. Ask more questions. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean I've I've known April Lynn for what is it like seven years now? You know, like I, I the things she said today, like I've heard a lot of it, but there were still new things yep. that she shared today that I had no idea. And I've known her for seven years and worked in close proximity with her and like been really Mm -hmm. good friends with her. But you just ask different questions. You'd learn different stuff.
2: Yeah. And some of the people that listen to the podcast will already know April Lynn, but I think this will be a, you'll learn a lot that you didn't know. And Mm -hmm. um, also I think it's just important. We think it's important that, you know, if you're going to participate with what we're trying to do at Love Liner that you, that we make ourselves available to you and that we, you know, give an opportunity for you to get to know, the people who make Thy Nerd move and operate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of one of our efforts to do that.
1: Well, it's a good conversation and we'll get to it in a little bit, but we wanted to hit a couple things for you guys as we always do. Hopefully you don't just skip over this part, but we, uh, <laughs> one of the things that we always want to give the opportunity and we'll talk about all the time and you'll get annoyed about it because it's about money, but it's just the reality of Who we are and what we do is we're nonprofit and we only live and thrive off the generosity of others. And so if you like what we do, if you're into what we do, if it if it benefits you in any way or or the people you know are close to, like please consider jumping into this thing with us. Um what's actually maybe a lot of people don't know is that all of us, the staff, the founders of Love Thy Nerd, actually also give to Love Thy Nerd. Uh, it may seem kind of weird and like circular or something. Um, but it's just a value for us. And we don't want to ask other people to do something that we ourselves aren't doing. And so if this is something that you're interested in, you can go to love thy nerd.com slash partner. Um, and you can give a recurring monthly amount it can literally be a dollar. Uh, if everybody that listened to this podcast, everybody that was a part of our, our online communities and stuff gave a dollar, like we would be set. Um, And we know people can give more than that. So, yeah, just think about it, pray about it, um, talk to us about it, ask questions. We'd love to to chat about any of that stuff, but you can go to com slash partner and um, hook it up.
2: But yeah, we also want to tell you about some of the things that... um, you know, your, your money would go to help us do like this podcast is one of those things, of course, in our website and our our podcast network. Um, but, uh, also like we started a new project or I kind of started a new project along with Bubba. Bubba's helping me produce some videos where we're just trying to encourage people in the midst of quarantine. So, Mm -hmm. um, for me, like here in Tennessee, like there's some restrictions there for parts of our state, they're starting to ease up a little bit, but we're still a long way away from like life as normal. And I think that's the case for most people. In fact, I think most people probably aren't even taking the steps that Tennessee is yet. So it's just, it's just a weird, um, depressing, difficult time. (laughs) Like, in fact, this week, like I found out that my primary employer, um, you know, had to let some people go. um, like quite a few because of how deeply this, uh, this pandemic has affected, mm-hmm. um, our company, the company I work for. So, um, yeah, it's just, it sucks. And so we want to help you keep some perspective during that. And so it's just me, like, opening up the Bible basically and trying to give people some hope and uh, see how hopeful the story of the Bible is and mm-hmm. how it can give us some perspective in the midst of really, really difficult times. doesn't always give us the answers, but it does give us perspective and um, points us to a future hope and even a present hope that can um, sustain us. And so, um, yeah, if you think that would at all be encouraging, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we're just putting out a ton of stuff on YouTube right now. So um, much stuff yeah matt warren is streaming a lot um we've got beard bros episodes there's just there's a lot going on a lot of co-optional um if you don't know what those things are go to our youtube channel and watch them that's the best way to learn what those things are that i just Mm -hmm. said so um yeah subscribe to us on youtube and uh yeah i think that's basically it so without Mm -hmm. further ado i hope you really enjoy this conversation with one of our dear dear friends april and coet How's it going? What's up? I'm Drew. Although we already introduced ourselves. <laughs> should I start over?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you should just uh, start with, hey, April That's
2: right. We should. Okay. Hey, April how are you?
3: Hi, I'm, uh, I'm
2: good. So uh, tell us who you are. I know you pretty well. And Chris knows you pretty well. Barely. I think maybe even, I think it's like higher than pretty well, but I just don't know how to like... Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and probably like 90% of the people that listen to this know me pretty Quite. well. But Quite. for the other 10%, uh, I'm April Lynn. I'm the chief resource nerd at Love Thy Nerd, which means that I do resources. <laughs> um, I help to coordinate, write, and pitch like articles that are resource material, education, uh, Helpful resource information for our website, some other stuff, too. I wrote um, some curriculum last year for Grow Curriculum that Mm -hmm. someday will get published, maybe.
2: (laughs) I think it is published now. Is it? I think so.
3: (laughs) They didn't tell us anything. Anyways. Yeah.
2: Where's our check? No, they did. They emailed us about it.
3: <laughs> well, then I just ignored their email. So sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back and read that now.
2: We'll have to go look and see. I think it's available now, but we should go. We should go, we should go check it out. But yeah, it's, it was killer stuff. The stuff that uh, you and I worked on. Uh, mostly yeah. you.
3: Yeah. Drew wrote the uh, kind of message like study portion of it but i wrote a lot of like event curriculum basically a mini convention for churches to run with their youth group that was like all nerd related
2: like a mini comic con or, or or video game show type deal yeah
3: exactly so there was like a sherlock holmes themed uh scavenger hunt type thing like mystery uh which was really cool and i want to play myself. <laughs> and I don't even remember what it what it was, but it was a whole bunch of different like nerdy themed activity areas where you could do different things like make a pod racer and build a card tower competition, uh, play some board games.
1: Hey, so I want to set the record straight for all <laughs> of our thousands, tens of thousands of listeners. And this is, I'm doing this, I'm doing this for you, April In Okay.
3: Oh no. Okay. So
1: this is, I want all, everyone to know this woman's name is April Lynn. <laughs> it is not April. That is not her name. And she's too nice and polite to correct you unless she really knows you. And then she will not be nice or polite when she corrects you. <laughs> but her name I, is April Lynn. There you go. I at least set, I don't know, 100 people straight. However many people okay. listen to this.
3: I appreciate it.
2: Yep. So how did you get into like, uh, have you have you always Would you always have called yourself like a nerd, a geek? How'd you get into that kind of work?
3: Oh, man. Uh, Well, in terms of work, I mean, if we want to go further back than when I was working.
2: Yeah, sure.
3: (laughs) I, yeah, I don't know if I would have always used the word nerd, but uh, I was playing video games as early as I have memories. When I was a kid, we had a... Tandy Color computer, which is like a Radio Shack brand computer. Back in the day...
1: I have never heard of that.
3: Well, you can look it up. I've
1: heard of it. (laughs) You guys are older. You're older than me. It's before my time.
3: Yeah, it it kind of was actually.
2: Do you remember the first game you played on it?
3: Uh, The very first game? Not sure about the very first game, but some of the first games I played. So there was a game called Rocky's Boots, which was a game. It basically taught you how to program in a very very basic way like taught you about um logic gates and mm. so you'd be going through this little like walking through this little maze kind of thing not really a maze cuz there was usually only one way to go but it was like a series of rooms and each one taught you about a different kind of logic gate and in the end you would put them together and make a little program and there were boots and it was all run by this raccoon named Rocky
1: I thought it had something to do with like Rocky the movie in like his boots.
3: No, nope, no, nope. it was a <laughs> raccoon. Okay, uh, and so I played a lot of that. I really liked that. Uh, I played this Winnie the Pooh uh, text adventure game. It had pictures, but it was basically a text adventure. And so you'd go north or set, like go north or go south, and you were traveling around the Hundred Acre Wood trying to figure out what happened to all your friends, uh, where they all went.
2: Did you find out? Where they all went.
3: I'm sure that I did. I don't really remember. I think they were throwing a surprise birthday party for you or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That is uh, and there was
3: another one that was Mickey's Space Adventure or something. And that one was actually kind of scary because you could go onto a planet and run out of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> which, yeah, for like a three year old, that's kind of traumatic. Yeah. Uh, so those were some of the games I played on our on our color computer or Coco, as they were affectionately called. And keep in mind, this is before computers had hard drives. so all of your games had to either be on a cartridge that you plugged in the back of the computer. Um, and the computer didn't have a monitor. you connected it to a TV uh, and tuned it to like channel three uh, <laughs> wow. on five inch floppy disks or on cassette tapes. So on
1: cassette tapes, hey, so yeah. were you guys were you guys channel three people or channel 4 people?
3: Uh, I don't remember
1: channel three
3: or channel two. Some gate like, uh, Atari 2600, which was the first gaming console I had. I think you had to set it to either channel two or channel three.
1: Really? I remember mm-hmm. three and four. I didn't have an Atari NES was the first system I had, but I remember yeah. always being a channel four person. Cause I felt like a rebel. <laughs>
2: I think I probably played some computer games. Like we had like old like DOS computer at my my house. And I probably played some games on it. But the first thing I remember playing is like Mario, the original Super Mario on NES. Mm hmm
3: yeah well we got that one year for christmas i was i think six probably old i would have to have been older than six because my little sibling was around then and old enough to play with me so i was probably like eight when we got our nintendo and we got it on christmas Mm -hmm. technically i think it was my mom's you know we got to play on it and yeah
2: that's how ours was my mom bought it for herself and my dad, she's like, oh, we'll play games on this. And then, of course, my <laughs> brother and I took it over. Just usurped it. They never played anything but Mario on it. What's your, like, fondest memory growing up gaming and doing nerd stuff?
3: Oh, man. this is These are hard questions. I have a lot of fond memories.
1: Well, you get one, and the rest are going away, so...
3: <laughs> okay, well, here's one that sticks with me. My grandmother actually would play the Atari with me uh, when she came over to babysit, and she really loved Atari pinball. And she would yell at the ball, and she would lean to one side or the other, you know, to try to
2: <laughs> like we tennis, same thing.
3: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly the same thing. Except you know, we tennis actually had gyroscopes. motion
1: controls. you. <laughs>
3: And I I think she knew that it wasn't doing anything, but she got really excited about that. And so I have a lot of good memories of playing Atari with my grandmother.
1: Dude, I cannot imagine playing video games with my grandparents. (laughs) Yeah, same here. Even my parents. I think I got my dad to play Duck Hunt one time.
2: Oh, one (laughs) time I did play Wii Tennis with my grandmother. And uh,
1: she threw threw the...
2: remote at the at her own TV screen. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, what a cliche. Yeah. She didn't That's have awesome. the like
2: strap on and she whacked her own TV.
1: Oh uh, no. Action. Did
2: she break it? No, I think it like was one of those like, uh, old big screen TVs, oh, you know, that yes. had, like the plastic. <laughs>
1: Indestructible.
2: Yeah. It was basically like
1: pretty, pretty tough. So
3: yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you well. told me I only got one memory, but I'm going to tell you about a second memory.
1: Okay, well, well you'll never be invited back to this podcast again. But that, that's
3: okay, because I, I probably wasn't going to be anyways, unless I become some big name game designer. Well, with
1: that attitude, yeah.
3: <laughs> um, so, my mother loved Dr. Mario, mm-hmm. and she doesn't actually remember this very well. Uh, and I had to remind her at Christmas, it made me really sad, but she used to make me, the deal was that she would play a game with me if I played Dr. Mario with her. And she was way better at it than I was. Even with the handicap, she usually, like, creamed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hated it. I mean, I didn't hate it <laughs> enough that I wouldn't do it, but this I would get really frustrated because I lost so much. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I did play on my own sometimes to try and, like, get better so that I could beat her sometimes, but... Um, yeah, that was a it's real kind of like a puzzly,
1: like Tetris kind of game, right? Oh,
3: did you ask what Doctor Mario is? Yeah, it's like Tetris, except that instead of Tetris pieces, you've got little pills. Yeah, um, and there's there are three different colors, so there's blue pills, yellow Could they pills. Make that red kind pills. of
1: game today? I wonder. <laughs>
3: uh, I don't know. I mean,
1: probably, I guess.
3: Probably, I mean, Candy Crush is a thing.
1: That's yeah, true. It's
3: basically like a
2: parable
1: for our um our pharmaceutical you know, system.
3: Pharmaceutical yeah. system in America. Basically. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's a it's a match three game where you're dropping the multicolored yeah, pills yeah, down yeah. and trying to get, get rid of the viruses. And y- if you played it two player, every time you make a match of two or more, you send pill fragments over to the other person's screen and screw them up. And I discovered you can actually play it online on Switch right now, like the classic Dr. Mario. Uh, oh. So I'm going to have to recruit some Is people. Is that through and- the,
1: their NES classic thing? Mm hmm. Oh, actually, I think maybe I have seen it on there, but I hate those kind of games. So I just. I didn't know you could do stuff
2: it. online with that, with oh. the NES classic.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah they have there, like things on there. Any games that are multiplayer, you can play online together.
2: Let's do
1: some Double Dragon, Drew. <laughs> oh, I'm in. I used to love Double Dragon.
2: <laughs> yeah, it has not aged well. I'll well, actually, that. Double Dragon 2. Yeah. Because I think... Is that the that one where you can double get weapons? Double you Double do Dragon? You, well, you could do two-player on the same screen. Oh, I think yeah. Double Dragon 1 had two-player, but it was like you took turns.
1: You the know best I mean? Double Dragon game is called River City Ransom. <laughs> that <laughs> game's incredible. Anyway,
2: so were your your parents were okay with you being into games and stuff? Or was that oh, like yeah, a Oh, yeah, that
3: was, that was fine. I mean, they encouraged it. My dad taught me how to use the computer before I could really read. Uh, and so wow. when I was in kindergarten, I was ahead of the kids in a lot of ways. And so most of the kids got to use a computer. Like we had one computer in the classroom. And that was one of the like activities you could do. And they mm-hmm. would just like plop me down in days. front of it to keep me busy because mm-hmm. they... I already knew how playing Oregon trail Yep. number crunchers or math, math, math crunchers. That was the one that I was a big fan of that little, little superhero dude.
1: Yeah. I remember all those math games that tried to do math. I remember.
3: (laughs) Mavis beacon typing. That wasn't until later. I didn't do that in kindergarten.
1: (laughs) I remember that
2: too.
3: uh, Yeah. So yeah, they were fine with it. They bought me video games. uh, And I'm surprisingly like they bought me Doom. Uh, oh, so, I was like blowing up wow. monsters, and they didn't <clears throat> seem to have a problem with it. Um, so, I think they, I'm very grateful for that actually, because it never gave me the idea that there were things that girls shouldn't be doing that boys could mm. do. Mm. Um, I didn't learn that. Isn't is until- it
1: crazy, like how in retrospect you see how valuable those things are? Because during the time, like, especially as teenagers or whatever, we're like, oh, parents suck and they're the worst. But, you know, looking (laughs) back, you can think about all the really great things too that like that, you know, during, I mean, I'm assuming at the time you wouldn't have thought, oh, I'm really glad that they're doing this, you know?
3: Oh yeah. Like it never occurred to me. Um, I think once I get into high school, well, I never really like socialized with other nerdy people really. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, my female my girlfriends that were nerdy weren't into really video games or blowing crap up or role playing or magic the gather like any of that stuff they were more into like reading fantasy novels and dressing like princesses and <laughs> watching vampire movies uh so we didn't really have mm-hmm. that in common mm-hmm. other than playing hero quest together my best friend and i played tons of hero quest um
2: I missed that one. What Hero is Hero Quest, Quest?
3: Is so that's a board game, not not video game. Now we're into board games. Okay. Uh, Hero Quest was a one. It was like Dungeons and Dragons light, the board game version. Yeah. Uh, came out in like the okay. late '80s or early '90s, and there were four different classes that you could play, and they each had like their own card with their stats on it. Um, There was no actual like role playing. It was just you move around this dungeon and there's preset campaigns of here's where the Mm -hmm. furniture goes and here's where all the monster figurines go. Um, And one person would GM it and then up to four people would play it. And since it was just two of us, she would play all of the characters. (laughs) And she made little backstories for them like the wizard and the elf or wizard and the dwarf or whatever would have like their clandestine love affairs in the corners between turns.
1: <laughs> oh boy.
3: Yeah.
1: As, as they want like to do when you're as a teenage
3: girl yeah. and you have hormones. I was going to say, man, <laughs> I, that
1: is, that's got teenage girl written all over it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's be honest. It's
1: got teenage anybody written all over it. As a side
2: note. Um, so like we're recording this during, well, it's going to come out pretty soon. So we're, uh, in quarantine, right? And so, like, one of the things that people can do in the neighborhood is ride mm-hmm. their bikes, right? So, um, the, there's a bunch of like middle school boys that live on mm-hmm. my cul de sac and they've just been on their, on their bikes constantly. Um, and so then there's this group of middle school girls <laughs> oh, gosh. from another whole side of the, whole side of the, the, uh, of, of my subdivision, um, that have discovered, they've discovered oh, each gosh. other. These two groups have discovered each other and are interacting for the first time. And it's been really funny to watch, uh, all that go down. I think so the show
1: Stranger expecting. Things was based on your cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah.
2: Like, I yeah. I would
3: man. absolutely be one of those exactly. girl. I probably would have been like sitting on my lawn knowing like, the boys are gonna come by, and like <laughs> I can, I can ogle them.
2: Mm, brother, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I want to fast mm-hmm. forward a little bit, and then we'll come back to like talk about where you grew up and what that was like, sure. and, and stuff. Um, but yeah, tell me the like the maybe the quick version of how you got started with LTN. Oh, with the
3: quick version. Uh, so, the quick version is that. I don't even know where to start with the quick version. You just so get whatever
1: re- version you want. Well, you can, you can do the like version you want. Yeah.
3: the uh, Yeah. So, exactly. well, so I, as, as you guys know, but not all of our listeners know, I was working with you guys um, in game church uh, starting in, I moved out here to California in, I think 2015. Um, and I started volunteering with them around 2013 um, after I'd, run into the group at a, a video game convention at PAX East and...
2: Uh, and you were living on yeah. the East Coast. You were in uh, uh, Maine, Massachusetts right? at the time. Um, I
3: grew up in okay. Maine and lived as an adult in Massachusetts. Um, so, yeah, I was living in Massachusetts, had just started kind of getting into Christianity, taking it seriously, started attending church and was in a missions uh not really missions training program but like a program that taught about the spread of christianity through the world kind of history of that um going through the bible just really giving it's called perspectives on the world christian movement and it's like this three month intensive course on
2: this is at a school you were at or uh
3: no this is this is put on by an organization uh yeah it was put on by like some individuals within various uh local churches Um, and so our church had a missions committee that was uh, pretty serious about people taking this and they said hey we'll reimburse anybody who wants to take this class for half of the cost of the class Hmm. once you're done and at the time i was like i want to learn as much as i can right now i'm part of this church and i'm kind of behind the ball like i didn't grow up learning about church history or The Bible. So, what better way than to take an intensive class? Because that's what I do. Because I'm a nerd. (laughs) Uh, And so, right around that time is when I ran into Game Church. And so, the two things kind of coincided really well. Where I was in this place where I was like, the most important thing I could be doing with my life is bringing people hope. And what better way to do that than with something I'm already passionate about video game gaming Mm -hmm. um and so that led to one thing after another started getting more involved with helping out with the game church facebook community and the you know going out to california and actually attending a convention with them um starting to write articles for the website and that's how i met drew um and fast forward to Coming out here to California and uh, our work with Game Church, leading into starting Love Thy Nerd, which is
1: well, and I- not to glaze over a really big deal, but like you moved across the country to pursue like ministry.
3: Yes, which yeah, is kind of true. a big deal. It, it was a big deal, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, Chris, actually, you inspired me a lot with that. Um, you know, that's really what I new- wanted to get
1: to. Is I just wanted everybody to know. <laughs> How inspirational <laughs> I can be.
3: You, yeah, sometimes you have your moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no. So when I met you in October of that year, I think 2013, the first time I came out here, uh, you and your wife had just made your big move like what? Two months before that. Yeah. Uh, in September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you had just moved to California from Arizona to Work to be on staff with Game Church, mm-hmm. and that was just so wild to me that you would drop everything, pack up your things, move states um, to do what seemed kind of crazy from every normal person <laughs> in the world perspective, um, and it kind of planted that seed of this is a thing that people do that people like are willing to jump and take risks and uh step into the unknown for what they believe in um and so then that that kind of stuck with me and i remember sitting with you at pax east next year in the spring where i was talking about like i want to i want to quit my job i hate it <laughs> mm-hmm. and like what were
0: you doing uh, at the time? i
3: was working for ge healthcare um either in the planning department. Uh, like ordering uh, and like shipping, receiving um, not in the warehouse, but doing like the ordering and post uh, purchase orders and stuff. Or I had moved into the warehouse and was doing shipping and receiving because I hated being a planner. Like it was not, (laughs) I, you know, and I did not have any idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. Yeah. Uh, Like I graduated (laughs) college barely knowing, like having some wild idea that I was maybe going to start a bookstore or like work in a bookstore or I had no idea. Um, and so I, I was just working whatever jobs would have me uh, to make money and it was miserable. So finally, mm-hmm. like seeing a purpose to my life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something that I could do that would be meaningful and purposeful and satisfying uh, and fulfilling was tempting, but it was scary Uh, And it took a couple of years to finally get to the point where I was just like, I'm done with what I'm doing. And I want, I feel led to try this new scary thing and drop everything. And, and it sucked. (laughs) I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Like the, making the decision to leave behind my family, my friends. I love new England. Uh, I never thought that I would ever want to leave. And like, the things that I was used to, like I don't know, seasons and water <laughs> and rivers and lakes <laughs> and streams and trees.
1: trees. Hey, we have uh, trees, don't you dare?
3: We yeah, but we don't have forests. At least, yeah. like, not within. Like, you have to drive two hours up steep mountains to get to them.
2: Seasonal affect disorder.
3: Uh, oh, no, I Just still kidding. get that, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? In California? I do, yeah. It's not as bad because the winter isn't as long, uh, but there's, it has more to do with the lack of daylight than it has to do with the temperature. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, the days still get shorter here, and the sunlight, the sun still doesn't climb as high in the horizon. So I definitely feel like between October and February, uh, it's hard. It's not as hard, yeah. but it's hard. So, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So, I packed up my car. Uh, I had my little Chevy Prism. I packed that as full as it would get with my belongings. Gave away. I used away. to have a Prism. It's a good car.
1: Still driving it, huh?
3: I, it's still it's still going. I've had that car now for, I think, 12 years. Uh, it's 2019. It's a 99 Prism. It's 20 years old, but I haven't had it that whole time. So, maybe you've had it for like 16 still years. still going.
2: Nice. Mine was a 94 Geo Prism before like Chevy bought the Geo from Toyota but anyway
0: yeah. we're going to take a quick pause in our LTN rewind we are flashing back to May of this year to the most recent episode of Humans of Gaming uh, with April Lynn Cowett as the special guest like we said it's kind of an insider baseball we're learning a little bit more about April Lynn and the Love Thy Nerd mission as a whole stick around more when we come back after this break The Stanford prison experiment 21 out of 21 students when given absolute power abused and tortured their fellow students. My competitor likens people to pure falling snow I would respond there is none righteous no, not one. Now I realized Mr. Simmons quote was from the great Franz Wickmeier mine was just from a simple desert handyman named Jesus. In episode nine of season one of Community, we see Annie rope in Jeff to join the debate team to go up against Jeremy Soulpatch Simmons and the City College debate team over the question, is man basically good? Now, this is a debate that we've been having as humans for as long as humans have existed. Are we basically good or are we evil? Now, Jeff did already point out that Bible verse that says, none of us are righteous. But does that actually answer the question of whether or not we can have a good nature more often than not? Because of course, whether you're a believer or you're not, we all do good things. We all have times in our lives where we're actually fueled by positive motives, which is why a lot of people, even believers, tend to think that entry into heaven is going to be largely based on our works if our good outweighs our bad. But the problem is we can't be judged just based on our actions. We also have to be judged based on our motives and our thought life. And honestly, even when we're doing really good things, sometimes we're doing it with the wrong spirit or doing it begrudgingly because we feel like we have to. That's when the Holy Spirit chimes in and asks you. Let me ask a question, do you hate this? Do you hate doing this? Do you? Now people want to argue this point. People want to say, no, I am really good and that's fine. If you want to be stuck in that mindset, that's okay, but uh, in reality, we all know that deep down we're inherently selfish. Now we wouldn't want to come out and just say that we're inherently evil because evil is such a powerful word, but that's not exactly what evil means in this instance. Evil simply means not of God. That's what we're talking about here. And when we are acting in our own self-interest above others, putting ourselves first, that is an evil act. We worship ourselves. We worship celebrities. We worship other people in our lives, romantic partners. We put them all in the place of God, and that skews our morality. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.29, "'Behold, I have found only this, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices.'" God did make us and qualify us as very good, but from the very beginning, we've messed that up with our sinful intentions. But even then, God refused to let us go by sending his son to come and die sinless for our sins. Any sin makes us unrighteous, but God is good and grace is real. So, in comparing ourselves to God and the goodness that he holds, it's all right to say,
3: Man is evil!
0: Catch a new Back Row Binge Watch every Monday on the Back Row Morning Show, exclusively on LTN Radio. What up, nerd? We hope you're enjoying the podcast. But did you know that Love Thy Nerd showcases most of their content on LTN Radio first? That's right. Check the schedule and listen to most of our shows before they're available here over at LTNOnAir.com. And while you're streaming, you'll also hear the best mix of Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, and even some content made exclusively for our radio listeners. Stream directly from LTNOnAir.com or download the live 365 app and favorite LTN radio. And let us become your new daily soundtrack. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to LTN Rewind here on LTN Radio. Every Monday night, we take a glimpse back into the past pulling out a classic episode from the love thy nerd podcast network tonight it is humans of gaming number 177 from may of this year where drew and chris invited on april lynn Cowett to share her story of ministry and missions in the nerdy community and what love thy nerd does behind the scenes it's a fantastic opportunity for you to learn more about how love thy nerd works and why when we left the conversation last, April Lynn was sharing her story about moving from New England. Let's pick up with her packing her bags.
1: So, packed so, up your car, and you kind of made like a little road trip out of it, I remember.
2: I
3: did. It was awesome. I had watched... Did you guys ever see the movie uh, Chef? No. Mm-mm. It was this uh, lesser... It wasn't like a big blockbuster, blockbuster that's the word. Uh, like I think it was kind of an indie film, but it did hit theaters. Um, it was about this guy who's a chef and he gets fired from his job where he's, they're basically telling him like, you cannot be creative in the kitchen. You have to make the menu that people expect Mm
2: -hmm. and
3: that we know works. And he's like, but people are bored with the food and like, we're getting crap reviews from reviewers because they want something new. And they're like, Nope, this is what works. This is what you're making. Mm -hmm. And so he ends up getting fired And his wife or ex-wife keeps convincing him like, dude, you should buy a food truck. He's like, I'm not going to get a food truck. What are you crazy? But then he ends up buying a food truck and making uh, Cubanos, Uh, some sort of, I think they're, yeah, Cuban sandwiches. Um, And like does this road trip from wherever he picks it up across the country and like takes his son, his estranged son, and his son is like his social media genius and gets him all this fame and they try food at all the different places they go. And I watched that. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do a food road trip. Mm-hmm. And so when it came time to move to California, I'm like, it's going to be cheaper if I drive there than, and buy new stuff than it will be if I pack up my belongings, ship them out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, I don't know where I'm going to live because I didn't have, a, I had like a couch, a, a spare room to sleep in for like four weeks while I found a new place to live. Um, Because someone I went to church with had a sister-in-law and brother that live out here. And so, like, what am I going to do with a trailer full of stuff if I have it shipped? Like, I don't have any place to put it until I find a place to live. So, I'm just going to pack up my car and I'll buy a new bed and dresser and stuff. Like, yard sales are still a thing. And so, like, I know people everywhere why don't I couch basically couch surfed my way across like people have spare rooms. So I stayed in guest rooms and I stayed Mm -hmm. in a couple of hotels, but I stopped all the places that I knew people and that I wanted to see. So like, and tried like their local, the thing they're known for in each of those places. It was awesome. So like I had crab cakes in Maryland and I had sweet tea on a rocking chair in a porch in (laughs) North Carolina uh, had biscuits and gravy. Uh, our friend Zach Hughes made me homemade biscuits and gravy. Oh wow! Uh, Drew it. He did you better me, than I did. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, uh, Drew took me to Nashville, hot chicken and waffles. Mm. Uh, I met Drew for the first time on in person on that trip. Uh, stayed yeah. at his house uh, for two nights because I took a side trip up to Kentucky and went to the Mammoth Caves. Uh, and here is where the trip gets dirty. Uh, so there's an old text adventure called Adventure or Colossal Caves. It was like one of the first, might have been the first text adventure. Do you guys know what I mean by text adventure? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So for anybody who's listening that doesn't, it's like old school. Before there were graphics in video games, like they were just text based games where it would tell you, you wake up in a forest clearing and there's exits to the north and the south and you have nothing. Uh, What do you do? And so you could tell it, I go north, or I go south, or I look at the tree, and it tells you, I don't understand what you mean by look at the tree. Uh, and then yeah, you remember you have to say... pre-programmed
1: with only certain, like, responses right. and stuff. So.
3: Well, and you can't use, like, prepositions or anything. So you have to say, look, tree.
1: Yeah.
3: And if there's something to look at and it, it knows, then it would be like, when you look at the tree, you see uh, uh, there's a, I don't know, there's an elf door in the tree or whatever. <laughs> um.
1: It's a heck of a trick. I don't know.
3: They just yeah. don't make them like they used to, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were super frustrating because you'd be like, I want to open door. I'm sorry. I don't know what you mean by open door. Use door. I don't know what you mean by <laughs> use door. Use key in door. And then you can open the door because you, you told it the right thing. Uh, but so the first one of these was based on the mammoth cave system. Uh, or a, another, a different cave system connected to the Mammoth Cave system down in uh, Kentucky. And so, once I learned that at a, on a previous trip down to Tennessee, I'm like, I, if I ever get a chance, I'm going to go there and I'm going to play Colossal Cave inside the Mammoth Caves. <laughs> uh, so, I did it. I loaded it on my phone. I didn't have time to play it because I, I was on a tour. And so, like I had to follow the tour guide and the rest of the group. But I did load it on my phone and so I saw That's the first a of a bucket of, list item right there. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was awesome. I took a picture of it, but obviously like you can't see anything cause my screen is just this glowing cave, blue screen. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> uh, I, I knocked that off my bucket list. That was pretty cool. Nice.
2: That's cool. So, um, so fast forward a little bit mm-hmm. and we, um, we started love thy nerd, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess we've talked about on this show before, but, I guess I guess I'd like to hear from you like what makes you passionate about this kind of like ministry of like ministry to nerds like mm-hmm. what 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 gets you up in the morning to do this stuff
3: Well right now not a whole lot because quarantine <laughs> is the worst I knew you uh, were going to yeah.
1: say that as soon as
3: he phrased <laughs> the question
1: that way I knew that's exactly what she was going to say
3: Yeah yeah you guys have heard me complain enough Got you pegged I see a lot like in different nerd circles, like in cosplay circles, or video game circles, or board gaming, like there is a lot of hurt that being a nerd tends to tends to come along with being a nerd. A lot of us grew up feeling isolated, uh, feeling ostracized, feeling like people didn't really get us. And not everyone, like there are nerds out there who are perfectly like, well-adjusted people who actually grew up, like, in popular circles with sports or whatever, or who became nerdy later in life. But a lot of us have that hurt Mm -hmm. that we're still holding on to. And I especially saw it at a lot of, like, anime conventions. A lot of, like, cosplay culture has hurt and just this search for belonging and acceptance that comes Mm -hmm. with it. And I don't think, like... The acceptance, I think, is there in those circles, but a lot of it is very is still kind of surface level. Like you are bonding together over affinity, but not necessarily over a deeper friendship. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, it certainly happens. There are plenty of gaming groups that have developed into more than just we gather for games mm-hmm. once a week and play games. Like they've developed into real life friendships who support one another and are, you know, do life together, as we say in the church. Um, But I I can't think of anything, you know, like I said, I can't think of anything more important than bringing hope to people. And that's something that I feel like I have a real opportunity to do with this kind of work Mm -hmm. is look for those places that there's hurt, that there's sadness, brokenness, darkness, and be able to bring a message of life and hope, um, you know, what we have with even with our Facebook community, a place where people can gather and talk about whatever weird crap they want to and share whatever dumb memes. And there are people there who will love those things. But So then, many
1: dumb memes.
3: <laughs> so many dumb memes. And it's wonderful. <laughs> I, I love it. it gets sometimes a, it is. It's, sometimes it's wonderful. Sometimes it's a bit much. <laughs> uh, but, you know, having that as a place where people can find friendships, um, you know, find people who genuinely care about them, not Mm -hmm. just their dumb memes, but actually want to know, like, what's going on in your life? How can we help you? How can we support you? Um, And especially, like, at conventions where we go and teach games to people, not because we want something out of it. I mean, the getting badges from developers and getting games is awesome. But I would do that. I would demo games even if I didn't get those things yeah. because just being able to interact with people and show them the things I love and hear about what they love. That's uh, so great. I love it.
2: Yeah, that's cool. So um, you've touched on this already, but you grew up in Maine, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, what was what was that like? What was your upbringing like? Um, did you go to church or anything? Like, what was your family? It was exactly
1: like the show Gilmore Girls. <laughs> uh,
3: really? it was not because Gilmore girls takes place in Connecticut, which is,
1: yeah, but it's, you know, it's all, the same. it's all the same over there.
3: <laughs> oh my goodness. So actually this is funny. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Facebook friend, I haven't actually met him in person, but he lives in, uh, Arizona. He's a minister in the, uh, Anglican church. Uh, he grew up in Maine. And so we, we kind of share that he shared this video, Of this this dude who was going on a rant about like five things he learned about Maine from talking to a bunch of Mainers that insisted he do this video, Mm. and uh, it it cracks me up because he's like, so first thing is that there's no R anywhere. You can't find it, Uh, (laughs) and I don't. People don't don't don't,
2: pronounce R's? Oh, is that what you mean? No,
3: definitely not. Anybody who's who grew up in Maine, like whose family. Is from Maine uh, yeah. has this accent that, yeah, like you you pop, the the stereotype is you park the park the car in the parking lot uh, <laughs> and people absolutely talk that way. Um, my you parents, don't have like a
1: super thick accent, but there are some words that you'll say that are weird. I can't think of any of them right now. But.
3: <laughs> because I tried really hard to not have an accent. I did not want to be one of those Mainers <laughs> with the accent. Yeah. Um, um, so, if you ever figure out which words they are that you, that I say weird, let me know because I oh, don't. If know If I hear what they it are. on
1: this podcast, I will for sure shame you.
3: Excellence. Uh, <laughs> so I don't
2: think I've ever noticed it with you either. So
3: yeah, well, it's like I said, I tried really hard to not say yeah. it, but my parents like they'll say, like what what do they say? Like they'll say uh, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, <laughs> and they they don't have a super strong. Main accent, like they're not one of those like fishermen, but they definitely have it, and I notice it, and it cracks me up every time. Uh, I find it yeah. endearing now, but at the time, it was <laughs> uh, not not something I wanted in my life. What
2: did your uh, parents do? Uh, when you were up?
3: My mother was uh, worked at a bank uh, up until. I don't remember. Sometime when I was in high school, I think uh, she worked at a bank and she got laid off at one point and then ended up just staying home. Uh, she and working uh, some odd jobs. Like she would help out at local auctions. We had friends that did like antiques auctions. Mm-hmm. And so she would help doing money management because she was good at it because she'd worked at a bank. Um, and then my dad was a store manager for Hannaford Brothers, which is a big grocery store chain up there in the northeast.
2: Okay. Are your parents still around? Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Yeah, they are both they're married to one another still. They live in the same house I grew up in. Uh, they will die in that house. Uh, or <laughs> if you're in a hospital or-, or-, or in a hospital. Uh, but they have no plans of leaving hmm. Maine at this point. I think at some point they probably thought about like buying an R V and tra- travelling around the country, but they have yeah. grandkids now. My, my sister has two kids. And so uh, they travel. They go to Florida twice a year now. Uh, they go down to Disney World a couple times a year, which obviously they can't do right now, which right, they're bummed yeah. about.
0: Yeah. Like, they
3: actually had a trip planned for May mm. that they cancel. I think they postponed it. To September, but I I would be very surprised. And they also understand that, like, we're probably not going to be able to do it at all this year. But
1: yeah, that's a bummer.
3: Yeah, it, it really is because they look forward to that. They we used to go as a family for two weeks every year, uh, and so now they yeah. go for like a week at a time, twice a year.
2: Yeah, we were planning to take our kids to the Harry Potter stuff in Florida and uh, Orlando. So I don't. But I mean, I guess we're just telling him it's postponed. We'll do it eventually. Yeah. But yeah, but it's a bummer. So, um, wait, do you, I don't think you answered no. about like, do you <laughs> grow up in the church or anything?
3: Uh, so my family is all Catholic. Okay. Um, they aren't all practicing Catholics, um, to like a super big degree. Like, um, yeah. When I was young, we used to go to Mass every week. Uh, at least my mother and I. I don't know if my father ever went with us except for holidays because with his job, he either couldn't work, go on a Sunday because he was working mm-hmm. or he was tired and so he was resting. Um, so, I don't remember specifically, but then... My younger sibling came along and the church that we were at did not really look kindly on, like, fussy children in <laughs> mass. Uh, and so, that was that was kind of a, uh, it stopped happening because uh, she was just not going to sit still.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, so, then we would still go for holidays, like we would go for Christmas Eve and we would go for Easter. Um, and then eventually it just kind of stopped happening. And I know my mom feels guilty about that. and It's the good
1: old Catholic guilt.
3: (laughs) Well, no, because she feels like she should have brought me up properly Catholic Uh, uh, and didn't. And it was funny because when I first became a Christian, I had this idea in my mind that it was going to make it right again. Like that my mom could stop feeling guilty because I was a Christian now and Mm -hmm. like, but... I don't think it really worked because (laughs) uh, Protestant Christian is different than Catholic, Mm -hmm. Um, and so it it didn't really work out the way I thought. Um, Like I don't think that she feels unhappy with me being a Christian, but Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So, anyways, that that's so I grew up kind of like with some Catholic values, but not a lot of Catholic education. Um, went to Sunday school for like two years. Um, I don't really remember anything about it except that somebody stole my raincoat. <laughs> mm. Uh, and that I really hated having to go to school on a weekend.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: even though That's I fair. liked school, uh, I didn't, Sunday school was a different thing. Like it wasn't the same kind of school and it just, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's really different now. I remember growing up. I mean, like, I guess I'd say it's different now for my kids cause they, Generally, generally like going to church a lot because of there's like quite a bit of programming that's geared Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. But I remember as a kid, I just hated it. (laughs) I hated going. I hated sitting in the pew. I'd try to fall asleep if I could. And then my mom would get mad if I fell asleep. I'd like fall asleep and hit my head on like the the Bible or hymnal rack, you Mm -hmm. know, or whatever.
3: (laughs) I don't see. I don't remember if I hated it. Um, I think there were certainly things I hated about it. Like I hated kneelers. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: So, <laughs> and those you, are the if, things. Like, the that, yeah,
1: the little things that, that, fold you down your- that you kneel on.
3: Yeah, so they fold down and you kneel on them for certain parts of the of the service. Yeah, and they were so uncomfortable. And you're supposed to like kneel upright. You're not supposed to like rest back on your haunches mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. you're kneeling. And so, but I. They were so uncomfortable, and my little child body was not having it. Um, And yeah, there were definitely parts that I was bored during, but the church was, it was a very beautiful church, Um, you know, very like mini cathedral type thing with, you know, the Stations of the Cross statues that were shipped directly from Italy, um, stained glass windows, the painted ceilings. Um, with lots of cherubs and a big, you know, God with his long flowing hair and beard. Um, mm-hmm. And so, that's kind of the idea I grew up with of God is this guy, this old dude in the sky who looks over you and judges you and tells you what to do uh, and knows everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, you know, whether that is an ac- whether that is accurate to what the Catholic Church would have actually taught me about God, uh, is probably not true. But that's, I mean, that's the picture of God that I saw every time I went. Right. Uh, and the angels are little, they're, they're adult angels and there are baby angels. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I really love that. And I think that's part of why I didn't, comp- uh, why I ended up becoming interested in religion again is I loved that ritual of it, like the hmm. you sing songs, you're in a beautiful building. Um, like, yeah, there was a lot of that beauty that stuck with me, even after I decided that I'm not Catholic. I don't believe in this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. How did you get to that point?
3: The not believing in this stuff? Yeah. Um. I don't, you know what? I don't even remember. All I remember is at some point in high school, I learned the word agnostic and what it meant. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> like, I don't not believe in the stuff. I don't believe in it. Like, I don't see any rational reason to believe or not believe in the concept of a personal God because, like, how could we know? How could we know something that doesn't exist yeah. in this reality? Um, And so, I remember my mother and I would have fights about it where I would try to explain to her and she would get very upset. Uh, Yeah. So that's, that's where I was at in high school is I decided it just, I, there was no way of knowing. So I was just not going to weigh in one way or the other.
2: Hmm. Yeah. So how did you come around? Like, cause you're not there anymore, right?
3: Uh, or do you want to like confess <laughs> yeah.
2: the, that's where you're, uh, okay, well, this is a
3: safe place. So I'm not a Catholic anymore. So confession isn't really a thing.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, well,
3: <laughs> yeah. Touche. <laughs> um, yeah so that was a really long weird wild journey um when i was in at the end of high school beginning of college i started uh i dated this guy in canada that i met on the internet uh and that was a whole thing because this was before online dating was really a thing and everyone thought I was crazy uh, because he could <laughs> be an Was it murderer. ICQ
1: or was it AOL? Or uh,
3: we met in a ya- Yahoo Yahoo chat ah, room. Okay, uh, it was there was the there were these Yahoo chat role playing games, quote unquote, uh, in the arts and entertainment chat section, mm-hmm. uh, where people would make these little rooms and. Uh, I don't know how much actual role playing, like people were, if people were actually doing any quote unquote role playing, or if they were just basically like playing make believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what I was doing. I I had my own little kingdom. I was, and I don't think I've had this conversation in a really long time. So the entire world now gets to learn about my delusions in uh, high school. <laughs> 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 so uh, I was Sylvia. Uh, I, I had a kingdom, the kingdom of Tristan. Uh, and so, yeah, so through playing this game, I met, met this guy in Canada and he was a Wiccan, uh, so modern, into modern witchcraft, uh, mm-hmm. neo-paganism. And that really struck me at, like, that made sense to me because, you know, the whole idea behind Wicca is you are honoring, Nature, you're celebrating, like, the changing of the seasons. So, the major holidays are the equinoxes and the solstices. Mm -hmm. And it all takes its inspiration from, like, ancient mythology. And, uh, you know, it's all this, like, sanitized version of it, right? So, um, trying to re-resurrect isn't the right word, but resurrect old pagan worship practices. They're, They're just, like... I don't know. There there are there are wiccans who claim that they are past all their practices are passed down from ancient times from family to family and who knows maybe some of them are but a lot of them are just nonsense like people wrote books to make money. Uh, but that whole idea of honoring nature mental made a lot of sense to me because those were things that I could actually see around me, right? Like you can see the changing of the seasons. You can see when the flowers are blooming and the flowers are dying and the darkest, Mm -hmm. you know, honoring the darkest day of the year and the brightest day of the year. And I had always loved like going out and playing in the woods and picking flowers and, uh, and had read a lot of fantasy novels. And so the magical elements of it really uh, resonated with me too. So, Um, Yeah, I got really into Wicca and reading about mythology for a long time. Um, And then, and at some point, that just kind of shifted into a general interest in mythology and comparative religion. Uh, In college, I actually ended up switching from a biology major to a religion and philosophy major. Uh, because you
2: want something more practical. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, no, because so I, when you get to college, uh, they don't, you know, they tell, they give you all these, like you can be whatever you want and you don't have to choose your major for two and a half years. And the reality is that if you go in to a liberal arts college, saying, I think I might want to be a biology major, you have to start your first semester because there are so many labs and things that you need to take. Mm-hmm. So even though you don't need to declare it officially, uh, you need to start then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of got pigeonholed into, well, I guess I'm going to be a biology major because that's one of the things I think I might want to do. Um, and I liked it to a certain point. But after about two and a half years of that, and I remember... After having almost failed organic chemistry, because organic chemistry is the spawn of the devil. Mm, um, amen. <laughs> uh, I sat like sitting in my first day of I think it was like genetics or uh, cell biology or something I'm like I can't I can't do this anymore. <laughs> this is not the thing that I can do. Uh, like all my friends already had like, they were working in the lab, like, as a lab assistants with professors, and I had not done any of that. I hadn't even tried to get a position um, in a lab. And so, I thought I, I should switch. <laughs> and I'd been taking, as my electives, philosophy and religion classes. Those were the things that I was really enjoying. So, I ended up switching to that. Uh, and being at a, even though it was a secular college, Um, They had just this wealth of books on any religion or mythology or um, culture that you could imagine. Mm. And so, I just spent long hours in the library, like, checking out books on Native American religion and Greek mythology and Norse mythology and African culture and, like, digging into the really old books in the basement that nobody ever went to. Um, You know, reading all this old, like, uh, anthropology and sociology textbooks, or not textbooks, but books. Um, And really just digging into how different cultures saw the world uh, and saw the spiritual portion of the world in particular. Hmm. Um,
2: Have you always been, like, interested in digging deep into things? I'm sensing a theme of, like... (laughs) a desire for like nerd understanding how things work and mm-hmm. are interconnected and all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, going all the way back to like I was one of those uh, gifted and talented kids uh, which hey, I didn't even realize. Me too. I didn't realize that that <laughs> was like a national program until very recently. I just thought it was a thing. Like, thought, did. You thought just for it you.
1: special just for you. <laughs> uh,
3: not, not quite that far. Um, but uh sixth grade we learn latin and i loved that that was so much fun like learning this ancient language uh in my free time and like in high school i was part of math team so yeah i've always been into like taking the extra credit study stuff
2: and so while you were studying all this stuff though you got into christianity came into play into that somehow
3: yeah um I you know, like one of the classes I had to take for my major was I had to take one class on Christianity, uh, and I think it was like I don't even remember what class it was. I remember enjoying it, but it didn't. It never made me think like I want to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. But from a mm-hmm. intellectual perspective, uh, it, I really enjoyed it. Um, at some point, I started reading some of the Psalms, and at this point, I was still considering myself pagan at least. Um, but there was a lot in the Psalms that really appealed to me that I could, you know, take things out of, um, that still made sense. Lots of honoring. Yeah, I mean, the Psalms are great. They, they just are full of emotion, uh, and honoring weather and nature and, Mm -hmm. um, so the actually becoming a Christian and like digging into it deeply didn't happen until, I was about 30, Um, so at that point I was living in Massachusetts, uh, college is over, um, and I had some friends that I was playing board games with once a week. Um, And one of them was a Christian, and he and I had been, had kind of bonded over a love of books, like he, I saw his C.S. Lewis books on his bookshelf one day. And it wasn't the Narnia books, it was his uh, Space Trilogy. Mm, and yeah. I didn't even know that C.S. Lewis had written sci-fi. And yeah. so, like, hey, can I read those? And so, he lent them to me. And uh, we didn't talk a lot about the books. Um, and Maybe we did, I don't really remember. Um, but it wasn't like this, like, Christian book club thing. It was just like, he lent me books, I read them.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and so, after reading that, I learned about... Um, G.K. Chesterton, who was, uh, one of C.S. Lewis's, uh, inspirations for writing. Uh, and he wrote a bunch of really weird, like, tale esque books, uh, that had a lot of Christian underpinnings. And so, uh, so I was reading that stuff, and at some point, I sank into depression, as I am wont to do from time to time. And I learned that he had a Bible study group that he ran. And I was like, I haven't been in any sort of like spiritual community for a while. And I think that that would be a really good thing for me to do right now. Um, Even if I don't believe everything that they believe, having other people around who believe something, um, Mm -hmm. I think would be really helpful. And so, I asked if I could go and he said, yeah, sure. Um, Obviously, inside he was probably much more excited about it than that, but he, he was, he was <laughs> cool. <laughs> and so I started going to their Bible study once a week um, or their small group. And uh, at that point, like I still, I remember telling them, like I gave my quote unquote testimony because that was the thing you did. And my testimony was the story I've just told you. And it ended with, I am happy with where I'm at. I'm not going to become a Christian. And to their credit, nobody like, outwardly judged me for it inside they were probably freaking out a little bit but um they everyone was so patient with me and Hmm. even though the things i was telling them like i was into all the things in my life were completely alien to them i'm sure paganism and uh kirtan which is like yoga um sacred chanting uh, and singing Mm -hmm. um and polyamory and goth clubs and hanging out with hippies, all this stuff I'm sure was like just mind-boggling to these people, mm-hmm. to, to my friends. Um, but they, they were great. They loved me and I was really struck by how well they loved one another mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. how open they were with one another about their lives and their struggles, their struggles in their marriages. Um, and that was just not something I'd ever seen before. Um, yeah, And at a certain point, I realized, like, hey, these things, like, there's a wall between me and them that our friendship isn't going to continue to get any deeper unless I figure out what to do about these things we've been learning. And so, I did, like I always do, which is read books uh, <laughs> to try and learn more. And yeah. uh, over time, kind of became, there wasn't like a moment where I was like, I'm a Christian now. But I kind of got more comfortable with the idea of this divine, sacred thing that I honor and see in the world could actually be a personal deity um, and not just a metaphor for the universal energy or whatever it was I was calling it at the time to make myself more, com- more comfortable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another. I started attend find I found a church to attend uh, because like that was not an uncomfortable notion for me because I'd gone to church before I'd gone to church as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it was just not going to a Catholic church. Um, and yeah, and one thing led to another, and now I'm here.
1: <laughs> That's cool.
2: Well, we are glad you're here. Thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. like I've obviously heard you tell. All that story before, but I just love it because I think you just have such a genuine, like I don't know, curiosity. Or I think there, mm-hmm. are so many people. I think especially Christians would benefit from that type of desire that you have to actually learn what it is we say we believe and mm-hmm. like really learn it and be able to back that up with with some things. And I think you're really good at that. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I was also thinking as you were sharing your story about how, like, I don't know. I just think it's kind of rare that maybe it's not rare. We just think it is sometimes, but like, you know, that you had these people that around you that were willing to let you continue to hang out, continue Mm -hmm. to like be a part of their community, even though you weren't like bought into it, you know?
3: Yeah. I like, I don't think at the time I realized, I definitely didn't realize how lucky I was, Um, Mm -hmm. I just kind of take it for granted because that's what I was used to, right? Is people who just accept you wherever you're at. And I think the only people, there were probably a few Christians. I hadn't really had a lot of experiences with Christians, honestly. Like, I think I knew one Christian in uh, college, really. Uh, And I wasn't really close with her. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I just, that was what I was used to is friends who just accept where you're at um, and I, I, I do wish now looking back, like, I wish that I'd had more friends who did question me and challenge me on some of the life choices I made, because some of them were not good. But yeah, I just didn't really have people in my life who were challenging me on the choices I was making in a way that they were saying, hey, I'm, I'm concerned about you. Um, and, but I did, uh, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, just how how great it was to have a group of people who yeah. Yeah. Um, clearly did not agree with the life choices I was making or had made, um, and didn't believe the same things I believed, but never pushed at me on them in a way that because they I would have I would have fled like one hundred percent if they had told me like that I was going to hell or that I needed to mm-hmm. become a Christian or I think I had one moment, one moment where my friend was driving me home after the group and he told me something like, you know, my prayer is for you is that you'll come to understand that Jesus is your Lord or some some something like that. And that was a really uncomfortable moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I kind of flinched at that <laughs> moment. True. Uh, but other than that, people who were just willing to let me listen and pro- – uh, or who were willing to listen and let me talk and process and figure it out on my own uh, was just wonderful.
1: I feel like that's so important, and I think that's something that we lose I, – I think this goes beyond even just Christianity, but I think especially within Christians, like, we have this sense of, like, fabricated urgency to, like – we want people to go at our pace instead mm-hmm. of allowing them to go at their pace, you know, because we feel like, Oh, well, if they die tomorrow, they're going to hell. And so I got to hurry up and convert them. And like, it just creates this, what I think is a false sense of urgency. Um, whereas just, I think your story is a perfect example of people allowing you to go at your pace. And, um, and then it's, it's really your story then, you know, mm-hmm. like instead of it being, some agenda that was forced on you, then it's not really yours. And it's not really something that's I think personal and as meaningful as it could be. Whereas in your case, I think it is.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's cool. I, I think, um, I think I, I had maybe sort of the opposite <laughs> experience, uh, in my conversion as it were, or whatever you want to call it. Um, whenever I became a Christian, um, I went to a church where there was a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to, like, make a decision um, and to come, like, come forward, come uh, to the altar call. Like, uh, I went yeah. to this church where there were altar calls mm-hmm. literally every Sunday and every Wednesday night. So, <laughs> Wednesday night youth group in high school when I started going, like, and then Sunday morning.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, I didn't grow up with any of that stuff. So, um Like, I grew up in kind of more mainline Protestant-type churches rather than evangelical churches. So, like, I actually, in one way, am kind of thankful for it, just in the sense of, like, it instilled in me a, I don't know, like, what, what the right word is, but, like, a desire to figure out what I think about it. I was like, everybody here is so certain Mm -hmm. and sure and and really wants me to be certain and sure. So I should at least like work really hard to investigate it and think about like where I I stand when it comes to um, the world and God and life and what the the point of it all is, you know?
3: Yeah. Well, I think there's definitely some benefit to that, too, in that I think a lot of people are spiritually lazy without... Like mm-hmm. not everyone is automatically driven to. I need to read as many books as I can to learn about this thing, as okay. I yeah. was, and I'm not even that way anymore. Like I, I think I have a lot less patience for digging through piles of books as I once <laughs> than I once did, uh, because you just I have a lot curmudgeon now. I am an old curmudgeon man. I have so many distractions now. I got animal crossing. Yeah, sell those and turnips. I got to sell turnips, man. I don't have time for books. Not the that turnip I don't. Market, really.
1: Turnip market's not going to play itself, you know? Exactly. Yeah.
3: Um. So like there is benefit in not, not pressuring people, but um, encouraging people to think about these things because not everyone yeah. is going to, it's so much easier to just not think about it. Um, it's it's yeah it's so much easier to just distract yourself from the deeper spiritual questions of life with all the millions of things we do to keep ourselves busy than it is to actually sit down and like really do some deep soul Mm -hmm. searching about what is it that i believe in Uh, do i believe in anything why do i believe it why is it important for me to think about these things um so i think and i don't want to say i'm i am the special person but I I do think that. Well, you are. I (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I just don't want to, I don't want to. I heard that
1: you were in the, uh, the gifted class. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I heard. Uh,
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. And I think like to those, you know, groups like the one I was in in high school can get a bad rap sometimes as if like, um, they're just so fixated on like conversion and stuff that they don't care about you or whatever. And I think those people did care about me um, and did want the best for me. So I, you know, I guess I'm just like, as I'm getting older, I'm, it's important to me to unpack the good and mm-hmm. the, you know, the good and the the things that, because there's a lot of things about that sort of, I don't know, upbringing that I don't, that I've sort of, I don't really jive with anymore. <laughs> You've um, had to recover from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In a way. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of really like, there are a lot of really great people that really loved me and that like I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be working for a love thy nerd for sure mm-hmm. in a way if, if, if it weren't for those appointments and relationships and, um, time. So, um, you know, it's cool. It's, I guess all I'm trying to say is it's, I'm glad that there are people in our lives that, you know, that all this is related to relationships, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, it's a big part of what we do with Love Thy Nerd.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So Cool. Well, uh, it was, just cool. Cause I hadn't like really heard the whole story. Like I've heard bits and pieces of how you became a Christian and all that kind of stuff. So
1: now you've um, got it. The E yeah. true Hollywood, E Hollywood, true <laughs> story.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got about the, the, that's the short version of the yeah. story. That's the medium length version of the story.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for doing this
3: April Lynn. Yeah. This is great. You are welcome glad that i can we'll have be here. you
2: we'll have you on again sometime hopefully <laughs> okay.
3: i thought you said that i couldn't Oh,
2: well, if she
1: plays her cards right we'll see. yeah
3: we'll see. okay <laughs> well, this is <was> fun <laughs>
0: That's going to do it for our LTN Rewind of this week. We'll be back again next Monday night with another deep dive into the archives of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Humans of Gaming. Humans of Gaming is planning on relaunching again in the new year, so look for their episodes to be hitting our airwaves too. Remember, Jesus loves you, nerd.